Well, please have a seat. Good morning. Thanks for coming on another cold and wet Sunday. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. You are going to love the passage we're going to look at today. Oh, my, oh, my. I've been looking forward to uh, spending some time together on this passage. Uh, Let me just review very quickly what we might have learned last week in our little self-defense. We're talking about spiritual realm issues and having a perspective on that. Last week, I taught you a little self-defense things. Should I go into the details? No? Here's what you need to learn. When you're attacked, you need to become the attacker. You're not the victim. The other guy is the victim. You fight. You fight to win. Let me tell you how life works. There's no such thing as a fair fight. So you fight to win or you get used to losing. We're studying two realms together. Let me tell you about the life in the spirit realm. There is no such thing as a fair fight. And you either fight to win or you get used to losing. We're going to learn how to fight to win. Self-defense. It's self-offense, okay? It's self-offense. We take a stand and we charge. You want to learn how to fight? Want to learn how to fight in the spiritual realm? Want to learn how to win? Want to learn how to dominate and celebrate like that song we just sang? I mean, that, that was smack. That was smack we were singing. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to, learn how, we're going to learn and believe that we do not have to be afraid in the areas of two realms. We can be convicted of the power that we inherit by inheriting the Holy Spirit. We can learn the plans and the schemes. That's next week, the plans and the schemes of Satan so that we can see his punches telegraphed and they don't cause damage to us. We can desire and live and love the freedom that we have when we, when we, when we, to enjoy the abundant life so that, so that we can go after the strongholds in our lives and what were one time, you know, and transform what are one time debilitating weaknesses in our lives are now these showpieces of the power of God's glory in our lives. That's what we're talking about in our series on perspective. You guys want to learn some stuff about that? Let's do this. It's about time, right? (laughs) It's about time. First principle you need to know. This is a principle foundational to the creation of all things seen and unseen. This is absolutely the first truth. Authority. Authority. And authority means right to rule. It means the highest rank. It means the greatest power. It is... And listen, when we talk about rank and power, when we talk about rank, it it doesn't have to be based on merit. Doesn't have to be based on ability. Doesn't have to be uh, given because of, I don't know, strength. Rank, power that comes with rank, authority, that can be a declaration. It is just stated so. It, do, uh, they don't, it doesn't have to look any different. It can look all but the exact same thing. But if something has rank, it has authority. And with that authority comes power. Let me give you an example. Let's just talk dogs, okay? Let's just talk dogs. You see this dog on the left? If you slap that dog on the left, you're probably not a very good person. But, but that's all. If you slap that dog in the right, you can go to jail. That dog on the left bites you, uh, 
it's going to get in trouble more than one time, it could get put down. The dog on the right bites you, it is celebrated. You are an all-you-can-eat buffet for this dog on the right. And what's the difference between the dogs? The dog on the right, it's a canine dog. That dog has a badge. And that badge gives him rank. That, that badge gives him authority. You slap that dog, you are assaulting a police officer. And that particular dog was killed by some stupid fool in Bear County after robbing something. And it went from robbery to prob- up to a 10-year penitentiary sentence because he shot a canine dog. He shot a dog with a badge. And that badge gave him rank, and that rank gave him power. I tell you that because in the spirit realm, the demons and the angels that are all around us, they understand authority. They get rank. They get the power that goes with the rank. And I want you to understand the battle that we're in. The spirit world, it's at war. And who has Satan declared war upon? Satan, an archangel, overseeing and having rank over all the angels and what are now we call demons that have chosen to follow him. Has he declared war on, I don't know, Gabriel, the archangel of communication, the messenger of God? No. Has he declared war on Michael, the guardian angel of uh, power of war? No. I mean, that would be so fun if he did because that would like a, be a pay-per-view, archangels against archangels. But that is not what Satan has done. He has said, I am against Yahweh. That's who I'm at war with. An archangel says to Yahweh, the God of all creation, right? The Lord most high who made him. (laughs) He's the creator of all things visible and invisible. Satan says, you're my enemy. And Yahweh can pull the wings off of Satan like like a two-year-old boy pulls the wings off a fly. That's who he's picking a fight with. All authority, all power, all rank. Jesus, one of the last things that happens in the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, right? Jesus says, all authority has now been granted to me on heaven and earth. That's a statement for the unseen realm, okay? We should take note to that. We have that authority. By dec- it doesn't look like it, but by declaration. Look, look what it says in 1 John chapter 4. You, my dear little children... You are, are from God and have overcome them, evil, right, uh, evil ones, because the one, cap, capital O, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Dear children, you're just kids. You're just kids. Kids with a badge. And that badge has rank, and that rank has authority, and that authority has power. They're in the spirit realm, there is no reason to fear. Absolutely no reason to fear in the spiritual world, in the, in the war that's going on. And you know why? Because the Bible, the Bible told me that all of creation is run by authority. And we have delegated, declared authority, rank, and power. And so, what's the fear? What's the fear? So, uh, we're just kids, but we're kids with a badge. And so, that's... That's a fundamental truth that I want. We, we have to start with that, and we'll build upon that. And that leads us to the question, how come believers fear? How come believers, they don't grow? 
How come followers of Jesus Christ for decades attending Bible teaching churches, how come they are so stuck and they stay stuck for such an extended period of time, never showing expressions of love, rarely showing expressions of love, never enjoying, rarely enjoying the abundant life that Jesus promises? Why does that happen? If, if there's such a disparity in the power you know, quotient, how does that happen? Here's how. Believers believe in lies. They believe in lies instead of the truth. They have a commitment to the lies about God. They have a dedication or an investment into the lies ab uh, about who they are over the truths that God say, says. In other words, they continually reinvest in, in finding an identity outside of the declarations of God. Th th look, I... I hope you didn't miss that. There's only two, there's only two fundamental lies that, that the devil sends towards us. Lies about the nature of God and lies about our own identity. That's it. The character of God, those lies are, God cannot be trusted with what I love. There's different expressions of it because he's not loving or he doesn't have enough power. He's not involved, Right? And in the, so there's this one lie about the nature of God. The other lies that keep coming at us are lies about ourselves, that we have to find our own identity out there. And, and usually that finds its expression in we probably think more of ourselves than we ought to. Some people have that. Some people think considerably less of themselves than they ought to. But the point is they are investing, reinvesting in these twofold lies about the nature of God and about their own identity. And, and I mean, listen, from a strategic standpoint, the devil, be smart, give it to him. You can't live, you can't love if you believe in those two lies. Think about it. The two greatest commandments, right? It says so in the old, Jesus reaffirms it in the new. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. How? How can you love God with all your heart if you, believe, if you believe lies about him, you can't. It wouldn't be safe. What's the second command? Love your neighbor as yourself. You can't. You can't love your neighbor as yourself if you think you're more than you ought to or if you think you're less than you, ought, than you really are. And, and so, so in this very efficient, you know, two-fold, double-barrel shotgun attack on us with lies, it's not, the problem is not the lies. It's that we buy them and rebuy them. We dig in and we keep digging. There's massive consequences of nurturing these two lives in our, lies in our lives. Is it any wonder, watch this, is it any wonder that when Paul writes the church of Ephesus that's about the church, the whole book is about us, he's writing you and me, and then he prays an awesome prayer. You want to know how to pray? Pray this prayer. You want to pray for your friends? Pray this prayer for you. Want to pray for your church? Pray this prayer for your church. He goes after these two lies. He says, look, I'm going to pray for your view of God, and I'm going to pray for your view of yourself. Look what he says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 through 17. Look, since, the first, since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you guys. I pray, con I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he give you spiritual wisdom and insight 
wait for it, so that, so that, so that, you might grow in your knowledge of God. That's a great prayer. Spiritual wisdom, super spiritual depth insight so that you would grow in your knowledge of God. Knowledge of God, not like our Western view of knowledge of God, but application of that knowledge in our life. That's why Tozer says, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. Paul says that too. He prays that we not believe the truths about God. What's the second line? It's about us. It's about our, God's view of us. It's about our identity. It's the view of ourself. God's value of you. God's value of you is part of his second uh, prayer for us. And in Ephesians, if you look, before we even read this section here, up, there's just been a few short paragraphs that precedes this, right? We're on you know, sentence number 14, 15. Up until this point, he's already promised, he's already told us seven truths of what we have in Jesus Christ. He's told us before the foundations of the world, God predestined us to be adopted as his children. The cost for that adoption, he says, is the very blood of Jesus Christ. That's how much he loves us. He says, he says that he gives us purpose in life, that we get to be part of the grand scheme of bringing heaven and earth under the dominion and the authority of Jesus Christ. And then finally, he says, just leading into this, he says, look, you, can, you receive as a down payment so that you would have a conviction of your future inheritance, the Holy Spirit. It's a guarantee of your future inheritance. The Holy Spirit now lives inside you. Now, with all those truths behind us, now he launches into verse 18. He's praying for us. I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those who he's called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Look at the words he's using. He wants you to understand and be confident, okay? He wants, you, he wants your hearts to be open with light, flooding light in so that, what does he say? So that you could see yourself as his rich inheritance, not we're, you know, we're going to inherit him. No, God's rich inheritance. And what kind of, how does he view our, his inheritance that's you and me? Rich and glorious. When God looks at us, he goes, man, I'm going to inherit something rich and glorious. And your name tag is on that. That's value attached to us, right? Flooded with light, understanding. Do you believe that? I mean, is that the belief that, that like resonates in the inner part of your soul so that it is the, it's the, it's the foundation, it's the, the stone that you stand upon so that you can't find yourself being, feeling inadequate or embarrassed? So he's saying, okay, he wants us to pray for that. I mean, but that's not all. Here's what, it's, it's amazing. He doesn't leave it there. Wait, there's more, he says. From God's lips to our ears, he says, it's not just value, you guys. It's power. Look at the power. And so look at God's view of you, God's power in you. So in verses 19 through 24, he prays again for us. I also pray that you will understand, right, the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. All this power for us. 
Okay. This is the same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at the right pl- uh, in, the, in the place of power, the right hand of God. The right hand of God is a place of power and authority and honor, okay? Right in the heavenly realms. All the heavenly realms, that other realm knows this. He's sitting at the place of power. Now look what it says. He is now far above any. And from now on, all you're going to see is various ranks. Like we would say, sergeant captain, you know, major. These are all ranks in the spiritual realm. And he's saying Jesus is far above all of them, far, far above the rulers, far above authority, far above power, far above all of any leaders, far above anything else, not only in this world, but in all the world to come. He's far above all those things. He has so much power, and we have that power if we could believe that. And then he says, and this is the next verse. I'm not summarizing. Paul wrote this, okay? God, God's lips to our ears. God has put all things under the authority of Christ, literally under his feet. That's what it says, some translations. It's literally under his feet, and has made him head over all things for the benefit of his church. That's us. And in the church... That's us. Is his body. It is made full and complete in Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Do you believe that? (laughs) You believe that kind of power? Sure, we can believe in that song we sang about the power of Jesus Christ in his conquest, and all things are far. He is far above. All these other things are far below. And that's how we can fight to win in these two realms because we have this kind of power. It's available to us. And so how come people don't change? How come, how come people like, are still not living in love? They're not living. They're not living the abundant life. We have, so the point is we have the firepower. We don't have the right aim. We're not, we're not doing it right. How do the evil realms find their way overpowering a child of God with a badge and all this rank and all this power. How come we don't love? How come we don't live? We give away the power. We believe in lies. We, let me, what I want to explain now is just this idea of what a, kind of what a stronghold is. We're going to spend more weeks on this in the future, but I want you to see this, that, that we either, at, at every decision point, every thought that comes our way about trusting God, either in obedience or about his nature, we can either, one, reinforce the truth about the nature of God and his value and power in us, or we can reinforce the lie about the nature of God and our weakness. And each choice, we are making a decision about what rules our life. And the idea of a stronghold is when you believe in a lie, you're just digging a ditch with every, with every choice, with every thought, you're digging a hole a little bit deeper. You, 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 if you're over here believing in, in these lies, it's like every time you think, I can't trust God with anything I love, I I don't believe he's safe. I don't believe he's good, or I don't believe he's powerful. Every time you make a decision for that, you're digging a hole that's deeper. Every time you find yourself insecure and wanting, or whatever it might be, you're digging a hole a little deeper. You're not just playing a tape, friends. Here's, Here's what I'm trying to emphasize. You're not just playing a tape. 
You're rewinding the tape. There's choice involved in all this. You're rewinding the tape. You're hitting the play button again, and you're playing the lie again, hitting rewind, hitting play, and each time you're just digging a ditch deeper and deeper in these two big fundamental lies about the nature of God and how God views us. Let me give you an example, okay? Let me, like, Somewhere, let's just say, somewhere in your life, or somewhere in your life, source, who cares? Like your, your parents on a playground, this could be your bent, that you believe the lie, you hear the lie, I'm a loser, okay? I'm a loser. You hear it from friends on a playground, you hear it from a coach, you hear it from somewhere, or maybe that's just your bent, okay? You could, just, you could inherit that, I'm a loser. So here's your choices, right, in some respects. In the context of, of living a lie, you can either go with, yeah, I am a loser, and become a loser and make a loser out of your life. Or what a lot of people do is they compulsively become successful. They will do whatever it takes to have success or to be liked. I will not be, I, you know, I, I must be respected. I, I, I must be liked. And they will sacrifice on that altar whatever it takes to be successful, whatever is needed to be liked. And guess what happens? You become a loser. It, I mean, it's just it, it's a foregone conclusion, and you've played into the lie. You built yourself a stronghold. You dug yourself into a stronghold. And so, so how, do you, how are you supposed to, to live otherwise? Here's how you're supposed to live. Let me just tell you the, the way it's supposed to be. Let's say, you're, let's say you just come to Christ as a junior high kid. You're going to a Bible teaching church. Around 18 years old, you're still hearing that tape over and over again. I get it. My point is, you're young. <laughs> and there's a lot of lies. And you're still trying to work it out. And so a lot of 18-year-olds are acting out, trying to be respected or trying to be liked. That's okay. 28, you start realizing, you know what? It's not working. I can't live in this kind of servitude. I'm being enslaved by this. I don't like losing. And then you start realizing I have to target the truths about the nature of God and what he values, how he values me at specific lives in my life. And at 28, when you start doing that, you start realizing I don't have to be respected. I don't have to be liked. By the time you're 38, you're liking winning, but you're still working for it, <laughs> okay? It's still a lot of work because deep, I mean, lies are deep. They go pretty deep. And so you're still working on it, but it, you're like winning. By the time you're 48, you're winning. And it's like muscle memory. You can't even remember how many times you've taken thoughts captive in that day. But you like it, and you want other people to know it. And in your 40s, you go back and you start telling younger people that are trapped and building their strongholds deeper still. You say, you don't have to do that. You don't have to live with these lies. That's the way it's supposed to happen. That's a great story. It happens that way. But here's what happens a lot. I'm not talking about somebody that's 40-something years old and they're new to the faith. I'm talking about somebody that's 40-something years old and they've been going to a Bible-teaching church for 30 years and they haven't changed. What happened? I mean, how can you do that? People that teach the Bible still live in servitude to these strongholds. Here's how. They recite and chant in their minds that cultic mantra, I must be respected. 
I will be liked. And they believe that more than they believe in what the Bible says about God or them. And like some 18-year-old teenagers acting out, they spaz out, even as believers. And even God, in his mercy, brings you teenagers to live in your house. And you know what teenagers say? They say, I don't respect you. I don't even like you. And then you have to, you have to, and here's what happens with a lot of people. They double down. They double down. Yeah, you will respect me. Or yes, please like me. I'll be the cool mom. Here's, listen, what's the, what's the goal of Christianity? The Christian faith. To become like Christ in all of life. Right? Become like Christ in all of life. Was Christ respected? No, he was not. Well, choose. Are you going to become like Christ or are you going to be respected? Was Jesus Christ like? No. His friends turned their back on him. And you know how you can become like Christ? When you realize it's not about being liked. It's not about being respected. And what are you going to choose? Are you going to get a bigger shovel to dig a bigger hole so that you can absolutely live life where you're respected or absolutely be liked by people? You got it. You can live those lies and you will die with those lies. Get, get used to losing. You fight to win or you get used to, to losing. That's, those are the choices. And God grieves. He grieves with these, with these strongholds that we build. He is so crushed by it because he has given us the Bible, God's honest truth about who he is, how much he loves us, how strong and sovereignly powerful he is. And he says this about us. He says he, that we are his treasure, his inheritance. How do we change? Here's how we change. You take every thought captive. Every, look, here's how you do this. This is my life, right? Every time I feel this flush of disrespect from someone, I make a choice. What do I really believe about that? Do I need that? Is that person going to pay for his disrespect? Or do I let this go realizing I believe what Jesus says in his word about me? When I have a, a pulse upgrade, when I realize I'm not going to be liked because of this, what do I do? Do I change the decision or do I say, you know what? I'm God's kid. I'm just a kid, but I got a badge. And you confront these lies. And here's why. Because every time you confront the lie, you make it weaker. You're filling in that stronghold. Every time you believe a lie, you're digging it deeper. Here's how you change. I had three guys that I, I run around with. They've all lost over, well, one guy lost 28 pounds, one guy lost 50 pounds, one guy lost 60 pounds this year, one of them in just a few months. And the way they lost all that weight, they can teach us a lot. Two, two things. One, one, these guys that lost all this weight, none of them went on a diet. I know over 140 pounds between the three of them, and they didn't go on a diet. And here's the thing. You can't diet your way out of this. People that live healthy lives, they don't diet. They live a different lifestyle. Diet is, dieting is for, I don't know, trying to get into a wedding dress. It's a short-term thing, you know? You want to live healthy? You have to change. You have, these guys, they got off one road, and they got on another road. You want to live the abundant life? You want to live in love? 
You're going to have to change roads. <laughs> change the way you live about promises, about lies. Here's the other thing that we can learn from these guys. They knew everything about losing weight already. They could, have, they could have taught a class on food and drink to avoid. They chose not to. It wasn't a matter of information. It was a matter of application. And here's, here's what happens so much time. You want to win? You have to apply the Bible truths to your life. And here's, how, here's why I think what happens in a lot of our lives that we feel like we know about God or we know about what God says about us. We're not applying it. It's more like a shotgun. We're just like, God loves me. That's not how it works. This is, this is a rifle, a 50 cal from a distance, and you're targeting the head. It says, yeah, God loves me because that's the kind of God he is. And I don't need respect, and I don't care if you like me because I'm respected by God, and I am loved by his son. I'm indwelled by his Holy Spirit. So there. Go someplace where you came from, lie, and die an ugly death. That's what it looks like. We have all the authority. We have all the power. We have all the rank to do this in our lives. And so let's do that. Let's apply this specifically to who we are and how we should live. What we think about God all the, con- all the time, perpetually, constantly. Look, let me give you a last, another graphic visual to end with, shall we? Let's think about you as a dog. Let's think about me as a dog. When we think of ourselves as a dog, we might think of ourselves in looking like this. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe we should, okay? Maybe we should. That's just an ugly mutt. I mean, right? Truth is truth. But we're an ugly mutt with a badge. We're an ugly mutt with a badge, and with that badge comes rank, and with that rank comes authority, and with that authority comes power, and rank doesn't matter how you look, merit, or anything else. It matters that it's been declared so, and so we're not just a mutt. We're not an ugly mutt with a badge. We're an ugly mutt that's a lap dog. It's an ugly mutt lap dog with a badge in the lap of Jesus Christ in the lap of Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, the Lord of the armies, who has all power and all authority and all dominion over all the rulers. And he has put all things far under his feet. And this ugly mutt with a badge can look way down at those other powers and authorities and stick my tongue out as long as I'm really close to the lap of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it's safe. That's where all the power comes from. We just stay close and we can be an ugly mutt with a badge, but we're a lap ugly mutt with a badge in the lap of Yahweh. That's our identity. That's where our power comes from, and that's why we don't have to be afraid and we don't have to care about any lie in our lives. That's our first step in fighting to win. Let's celebrate. Lord Jesus, we're just dirt, but we are your dirt. 
You breathed into the nostrils of Adam and gave him life and made him in your image, and here we are. And then you breathed into the life of our spirit and made us your children, and so here we are. And Lord, we claim nothing except Christ crucified. That's where we find our identity. That's where we find our joy. Lord, I'd ask that you would help us, your spirit would speak to ours, so that we would know how to specifically target the lies that the devil has brought into our souls that we have entertained, that we have replayed, so that we don't know who you are, we don't act like we know who you really are in your goodness and your power, and we don't act like we understand what you have declared us to be yours. You paid with the blood of Jesus Christ to make us yours. I pray that we would see ourselves as your inheritance, that you value your precious inheritance. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.